Welcome to Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. I bet you thought we were going, uh, but we had a wee break over the Christmas and New Year, but here we are again. Another podcast, another Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat podcast. This is episode 63, and of course our podcast is all about all the stuff that's going on in Glasgow West End, and chatting to local writers and local artists, etc. This particular podcast, if I can just find the info, is Pat chatting to writing poet and writing tutor Maggie Gibson. Maggie Gibson has so many accolades and accomplishments that, quite honestly, it would be impossible for me to list even a small portion of them for you here. So here's just a taste. Maggie was the first macker, or poet laureate, of the city of Stirling for 500 years. She has held three Scottish Arts Council Creative Writing Fellowships and one Royal Literary Fund Writing Fellowship Fellowship with the University of Paisley. She was the writer-in-residence with the Gallery of Modern Art in Glasgow and reader-in-residence with Glasgow Women's Library from 2012 to 2015. Her work has won many, many, many prizes and from my quick web search, it is clear that she's loved by fellow writers and by her former students. Maggie's latest poetry collection is called Washing Hugh McDermott's Socks and is out now from Luath Press, L-U-A-T-H Press. For more information, I recommend you visit Maggie's website, which is at maggiegibson.co.uk. Okay, that's probably enough from me. Uh, Happy New Year. And uh, if you've got any questions or any anything you want to ask us that's happened in the podcast last year or anything you want us to do this year, get in touch either through the Twitter directly to Pat, which is uh, Glasgow at Glasgow's West End, or by email, you can email Pat, just Pat at GlasgowWestEnd.co.uk. Just before I get to the podcast, I'll just mention that this is 2019, and this actually marks the 20... Well, October, I think it's October of this year, marks the 20th anniversary anniversary of the Glasgow West End website. So at some point, we will get round to doing some kind of celebration for that, and we'll keep you informed as to when that's going to be. Anyway, that's enough for me. Let's go to Pat chatting to Maggie Gibson. So, um, today I'm delighted to have Maggie Gibson come along to see me. I've not seen Maggie for a wee while, but I have, um, I know her in a few different capacities. She's a very successful poet, wonderful poet, creative writing tutor, and also I've seen Maggie perform her work with Word to Jazzology. We'll talk about that because it is fabulous. So, um, Maggie, very welcome along. It's lovely to be here, Pat. 
And um, one thing that I found out about you a while back and fascinated me was you weren't one of these people that, from you were a wee girl, was writing poetry. You came. You would. You like to say how you started. Yeah, I'm an accidental poet. <laughs> yeah, I came. I came to it by accident. I did love poetry as a child, but uh, being uh, from a very working class background and a very down to earth family, where the only uh, poetry book in the family, as with many. Scottish working class families was the big Burns book of poetry, a really big old one that had been my grandfather's, you know, great big brown leather bound book. Um, but my parents didn't read uh, poetry books, didn't read, read books uh, at all, um, although they wanted us to have a good education. So there wasn't a notion of anybody in the family ending up being a writer or a poet, but the idea was that we would get good sound jobs that would give us a solid income and keep us out of poverty, which was the important thing. Um, but I was lucky enough to go to university, and even then, it was very much about getting into a job that would uh, say keep. What, what did you study at university? I studied languages, so there was always that facility for language and that absolute love of language there. So I studied uh, French and German language and literature at Glasgow University, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and of course, I did study again French and German poetry there. But that there was some mind block for me, being from my kind of background, about going from being a reader or a person who studied and read the poetry to being the person who had the right to actually write poetry. And that might seem strange to people today because now it's uh, there, there's a great encouragement to people, and I'm one of the people who does that encouraging, mm-hmm. that you have the right to write poetry, to, to create poetry, to be on that side. But when I was growing up and at school in the late 50s and the 60s in Scotland, we were not enabled in that way. We were taught to know our place, mm-hmm. and that was not our place. Our place was was not to be one of the creators. Our place was to keep our heads down and know that that we were not in any way special. So 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 how did, how did I come from? How did I manage to make that leap? How did I manage to get from there? What happened was. I left teaching to have my first child, which again, in those days, uh, it was 1980, was still pretty much the way it happened. But I wanted to be a stay-at-home mother anyway. I wanted to be with my children. And then I had a second child in quick succession, a boy and then a girl. Uh, But then I discovered that it wasn't quite as I had hoped or planned because my brain needed something more to do. And I was just looking for something to do and I picked up a leaflet at the local library which said women and writing, but to be honest, it could have said anything. But it said women and writing with crash. <laughs> and that was the magic bit, with yeah. crash. And the crash took, um, took children and I was childminding a third child at the time. So I had three children under the age of uh, sort of three and a half. 
So I was on long (laughs) shots, yeah. But also I didn't totally realise that I thought, um, I didn't read the blurb, I was so so taken with the notion of the crash, I didn't read the blurb on the leaflet properly. And I thought we were reading Women's Right, and I thought it was like a book group, and we were going to read Women's Right and discuss it. And I thought, brilliant, this is perfect for me. So I went rushing along, shoved the children in the crash, and there I was with a group of women discussing women's writing and then they said ah but we want you to write as well and I was in shock I thought I can't do this there's no way I can't write anything this is silly and most of the the other women to me seemed to be more assured more middle class if you like more uh, to have more authority than I did and I was really embarrassed I thought I can't do this there's no way I can write so the fourth week, I thought, I can't go back if I've not written anything. This is getting really embarrassing. And my, my husband said to me, look, I'll put the kids to bed. You go into the dining room, have some peace, and try to write something. So I went into the dining room, and I sat with my blank piece of paper, and they'd given us some exercises to try. And I took the first exercise, and here is the really magic bit. I poured myself a gin and tonic. <laughs> and I poured myself a gin and tonic and drank it. And I started to write what I thought was going to come out as a story. And it came out as a poem. And it surprised, really surprised me. So I thought, wow, that was, a, that, that was unusual. So I took another exercise and I poured another gin and tonic and it came out as a poem as well. It was supposed to come out as a story. So I had suddenly I had two poems and the one of those poems subsequently was pun, published in The Scotsman. So there you go. I was so what started. Was, what was it called? Oh, the one that was published in The Scotsman was called Tupperware Torture. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they had told us... I've heard, heard that. Yeah, they had told us to, to write about um, a recent experience which had left a big impact on us, which had moved us in some way. And my God, attending my first ever Tupperware party had been a very moving experience. <laughs> I never I never wanted to repeat that again. <laughs> I know, but that, that is I mean it's it's a great um it's a great story because yeah. people um if they try things, you you know yeah. you don't know what you can actually do. Yeah. And if you get an opportunity to try something, yes. goodness knows what's gonna Yes, I I often feel it's a cautionary tale (laughs) (laughs) on on several fronts. You know, if um, if you if you do try it, you never know where it might lead. And then to me, it led into a a full career as as a writer. And then you were Macker, Stirling's, yeah, Macker, Stirling's. That was just when was that, Maggie? Oh no, I think it was two thousand nine to. 2000 and well, it was for, th- for three years, t- I mean, 2012. I mean, what an accolade. It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. It's, it's, and what was lovely about that was, uh, because I started writing in uh, the mid to late 80s, um, although I didn't tell my family that I was doing that uh, because I felt nobody would understand. And Well, I mean, my husband knew about my, my siblings and my, my mother. I didn't let them know because I didn't really feel that... It was, I, I felt they would think I was daft and um, it just didn't seem right. But then when Mum did, you know, find out when my first collection came out, uh, obviously she knew then. 
and it turned out she was very she was very proud of me, but she had no understanding at all of what I did. I mean, she was an intelligent woman, and she but she was much more maths orientated, and she didn't really understand my poetry or why I was writing poetry or how you could build a career out of something like that, and why I wasn't just being doing something sensible like going back in into teaching and being a modern mm-hmm. languages teacher and mm-hmm. having a proper career. So when um, when I was appointed macker of the city of Stirling and there was a lovely inauguration uh, up at the Guildhall, which is the most wonderful ancient building up beside the castle, and my mum uh, actually died at the very end of 2009 mm. when she was 88 and at that point she was failing um, but we were able to bring her to that ceremony oh, that in her wheelchair and that was just wonderful because it was as though before she died she actually understood that I had achieved something yes. uh-huh. whereas uh, although I did have a three book deal with um, Puffin for my children's book and she had books at that point and she did also live long enough to read the first of those novels. There are novels for sort of 12, 13 year olds and she read the first novel and she, she read all the way through and mum hadn't read a book in years. Mm-hmm. Um, she read all the way through and she said, uh, she said, that was great, she said. I felt like I was 13 years old I again. Can and, uh, and, I thought, and I thought that, that was lovely as that well. Was, that, was, so, thank you. that was great that that happened. It was, it was, because, as I say, um, in, in the early years, she just kept saying, why, why can't you get a real job? <laughs> I think that, but that, I think that is, mm. it happens with a, a, a lot of people, you know? Yeah. I mean, I know that, um, I mean, I, I was the... For the first person to go to university yes. in our family, and uh, I mean I was a mature student, and my mum, um, she never knew what I was studying. You know, she yes, couldn't. She, right. she just well, I, I was doing um, sociology and history. I started off doing English literature, but I, well, she had no notion what sociology was. And like like your mum, my mum was a smart. She couldn't have been any smarter. Yes. Though she was so uh-huh. quick and witty and funny and. Clever yeah. person, but of course it's a, it's another world. Yes, that's it's, right, just yeah. a, it's just it's yes. just another world, uh-huh. and um, you know she yes. came she came to my graduation and everything. But I, and I, I you know she was proud. But my one of my old uncles, like her uncle, my great uncle, was kind of like her grandfather. Um, uncle Roger was very proud of me, but he used to say to his friends, if I if I happened to be there, he would say. This woman's passing universities and everything. Yeah. <laughs> that was how pretty. Yes, it always yeah. made me laugh because uh-huh. um, you know to have that um, pride, but not you know it's, it's not sort of connected mm-hmm. up. Yeah. You know, so it was yeah. good that your mum actually yeah. got to the spot uh, yes. that she you know uh-huh. she could really and, and appreciate. To be, and to be fair, in the end, my brother and sister were really proud of me as well, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of. What I was feeling was me projecting onto something, yeah, uh-huh. them, something onto them that wasn't really there. But it just goes back to all again all these sort of childhood things, which uh, which are hard for you to work through sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, uh, I mean, I'm glad it's not like that now for no. people. It's it's very very changed for Absolutely. people now. I mean, but our education back then, the mm-hmm. state education, which was good in many ways, but there were a lot of ways in which the state education was putting 
limitations mm-hmm. on us. I think especially for girls. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, very much so for, mm-hmm. for girls. I mean, mm-hmm. when, um, when I was at school and we went from primary school to secondary school and it was a comprehensive, one of the first comprehensives in Scotland that I went to. But um, even then, the first year at secondary school was what was called called streamed. So uh, according to how we'd fared in the 11 plus, you were, it was a comprehensive and everyone went to the same school, but you were then uh, streamed according to ability and all the top boys, top girls, and then according to ability down, we're put into different classes. But the top class, therefore, was all boys. Next class down was all girls. Next was all boys. Next was all girls. Mm -hmm. Because they separated them as boys, girls. Mm -hmm. So the top class was actually called 1A, Mm -hmm. and the next class was called 1B. Well, we were furious. Yeah, because we were furious, because we were getting told... I mean... And it just shows that was in nineteen sixty-five. It sent us a message, yeah. so we refused yeah. to be known as one A and called her. It's called yeah. the class one A B because we got mixed with the boys to go into yeah. our actual lessons. Mm-hmm. So it was one A B, but that was the that was the message that, yeah. no, that we got it, um, sent right I mean, right from then. And no, and, it and was, it was a head boy and head girl, but the head boy was always given superiority over the head girl. Mm-hmm. You notice these things? No, I know. I mean, I went to all-girls school. Ah. I went to Notre Dame and Dumbarton, Dumbarton. Right. But the streaming there was atrocious uh-huh. because at the time you didn't think about it, but later on, uh-huh. because it was, you're talking about the names of the classes. Yes. And it was like one, one double E. Uh-huh. No, one double L, two languages, Latin and French. Ah, right. And then one L, uh-huh. one language, yeah. no, no Latin. Then oh. moderates. And oh, then dear. domestics. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's what, was, was yeah. what it was uh-huh. called. Yeah. You know? I mean, it was just... Oh, oh I know at different schools that I taught, they tried different things. And then they, as if the children don't work it out quite quickly, mm-hmm. anyway, what they're up to. So. Anyway, we, 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 <laughs> yes. we kind of got through. But Maggie, do you know, um, the first time I saw you perform, and I, I, I mean, it was one, it's a night I'll never forget, actually. Um, sorry, I'm trying to get the sound off. Um, no, it was just one of the best nights I've ever um, spent in Glasgow and that was in the Project Cafe and it was with Alistair Gray and yourself uh-huh. and the Palestinian women. It was the um, the poetry that was written in Scots uh-huh. and do you remember that? Was that the, the A Bird Is Not A Stone? A Palestinian, Bird Is Not A Stone? Yeah, uh-huh. Palestinian. Oh my thing. God. I, 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 I went along... Um, I don't know, I think it was almost probably coerced into it or felt obliged to go. Yes. And I just, yeah. I was just absolutely, I, I wrote a review yes. of it uh-huh. and Henry Bell. Yes, to, that's right. Uh, um, oh Irving. my goodness, what a night that was. Yes. I loved it. It was uh-huh. a fabulous project. Yes. So d- did you go to Palestine then? No, no, I no. wasn't in at the start of the project. So it was Henry Bell and Sarah Irving uh-huh. were behind that project. Uh-huh. Um and I think uh, certainly Liz Lockhead went over to Palestine mm-hmm. originally with Henry Bell mm-hmm. and Sarah was um, Sarah was studying 
and I might get this slightly wrong, but I think Sarah's studying Middle Eastern studies mm-hmm. or uh, at Edinburgh University at the time. Uh, so she she was the link there, um, and I'm not quite sure how the how the project was birthed, but they 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 felt that when they were across in uh, there's a house of poetry in Ramallah, and when they were across there, they discovered that although there is often Palestinian poetry, is often used. Um, and appears in academic papers, etc. Here, right. mm-hmm. but it often doesn't appear just as an anthology for being mm-hmm. poetry, mm-hmm. and in translation for being poetry, it gets translated, mm-hmm. you know, to make political points, but not mm-hmm. as poetry. So, uh, I think uh, Henry and Sarah were the main movers behind it. And then as did Dean invite you to perform uh, that night? Too, uh, yes, well, I was. I had been one of the one of the poets, and a whole mm-hmm. host of Scottish poets uh-huh. involved in doing translations. So, Abla Ude from uh, I remember her. Uh, Abla was lovely. Uh-huh. She was um, one of the um, the. The, the teachers, tutors at the School of Arabic at Edinburgh University, and she um, invited her students to do what's called bridge translations. So they took the Arabic and just did a bridge translation, a rough translation, into English so that we then could come in and say, all right, so that's what that line means, but how do we now turn it into a line of poetry? And we were then left to take that and work with it. But they also got, at a certain point, some of the students who'd done the British translations to come across so we could discuss with them, because sometimes it was quite hard to make out what the line really meant, Mm -hmm. because the British translation might not make total sense to Mm -hmm. us. Um, and one, for example, one of the lines, one of the poems that I did or was considering doing, because sometimes you'd go a poem and then you would be agreed that someone else did it. Uh, so one of the translations went forward, not another. One of them had a line about a jar of olives. And when we discussed it with the bridge translator, we we realised that a jar of olives was not what we think of as a jar of olives, which is a thing on a supermarket shelf. Yeah. The jar of olives was, of course, a huge pottery jar that would always be big enough to put a child in. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the great yeah. big mm-hmm. pottery jars that would stand up to your waist. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you realise that, the line becomes... It, can be it makes sense, of course. It's a completely metaphor-made sense. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're thinking of the metaphor as a jar of olives, being this big glass thing with a lid on it, then it didn't make sense. So that was useful. But the, the actual... Well, it was, the, a, it was a fabulous event. I mean, I, oh, it's wonderful. I, and that was the first time I saw you uh-huh. reading. I mean, yeah. I've seen you uh-huh. um, a number of times since. Uh-huh. And um, the I thought you were great and... I just thought the whole event and the, the, the whole idea behind it was wonderful. Oh, it's a fantastic idea. No, it was so uh-huh. good. It was so good. And then, of course, I've seen you at your 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 events that you've organised, uh-huh. and they've been fabulous too, the Word yeah. Jazzology. Oh, Word Jazzology uh-huh. is great fun. I don't know if I was at the first one. I, I went to one down... It was the second uh, one. It was the second one. Maybe. I was at, it might have been down in, sure. um, in Bath- the Merchant Bath- City in Babbitt. Yeah. And that's a lovely venue. Mm-hmm. It's it very is, nice. Yeah. And um, 
I, I loved your poetry. I mean, it's, oh, you can. It's very. Um, I don't like to say accessible because I always feel that that it's not the right word, mm-hmm. but. You, it's easy to engage with, uh-huh. and sort of. Yeah. It, it, I mean, some of it is very funny. Uh-huh. It's very, very witty. Yeah. Yes. No, I, uh-huh. I, oh, I enjoyed that really yeah. a lot. No, I, I mean, you're you're very natural performer. Yeah. No, and then I think uh-huh. it's great that Ian, your your husband, uh-huh. <laughs> is you two of you can do things together. Yes. And there's such uh-huh. a there's a kind of great rapport between you. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, he's very very funny. Yes, he's very funny. You need to have him on the podcast. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah. Certainly, would enjoy uh-huh. that. Cool. He's very. Um, remember that event when people were coming in late oh, and, yeah, it was very funny. and then it was yeah. kind of stopping oh. and, that, and they were looking a bit embarrassed uh-huh. I mean it wasn't embarrassing yeah. at them um, it was just very very it was it was all very carefully rehearsed you know <laughs> I don't think so no of course not no, <laughs> no it was very very spontaneous but yeah. um, uh-huh. no, I was I loved that and uh-huh. the musicians and Christine oh, Bovo the musicians are and wonderful. the man Harry Harry yeah the, the, the uh-huh. um, accordion, yeah, the accordion oh, player. Oh my God, yes. he's fabulous. Uh-huh. They were all lovely. Yeah, we we the, the musicians might change when we're doing different lineups. So Wordsology is essentially, um, it's essentially a a comedy, um, well, literary comedy, literary comedy, poetry, um, French bohemian jazz mm-hmm. crossover of an evening. Uh, and it's compared by my husband Ian McPherson, who is, was formerly a stand-up. I mean, who won he won the first um, Time Out Award for comedy in London a long time ago. He was one of the pioneers in the alternative stand-up scene, and he's originally from Dublin, so. He's uh, got. Uh, he's got the nice accent. Oh, he's got a wonderful accent. That's why. That's what I married him for. <laughs> well, the, the truth of the matter is that Ian was actually born in Birmingham. Uh, so had he remained there, we might never have married. <laughs> don't see that. Don't see so he, that. so he, he moved at two and a half to Dublin uh, to get the. To and get the, the accent. Um, no, it's, it's no, it's a lovely accent, uh, and um, it's very very funny. Yeah. I, and Pauline, you know, um, Pauline Lynch. Oh yeah, she was, was she was too, fantastic that Pauline night. Yeah, was one of the yeah. ten and writers, of course, um, yeah, which was our, our uh-huh. music and uh-huh. um, writing project, which you very very kindly we yes. asked we oh, asked yeah. a number uh-huh. of people uh-huh. for um, support and a bit of a yes. testimonial, yeah. and we liked you so much we put it on the book cover. That's right, <laughs> it was just a smashing project, <laughs> and in fact, it reflects a sort of uh, with word geology, what we're going for is that music. Um, Words crossover, that's why it's called mm-hmm. Word Jazzology. And, mm-hmm. and on that particular night, uh, Pauline Lynch uh, read from her novel Armadillos, which mm-hmm. is set in Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, Graham Pointer, who is the most amazing yeah, jazz he, guitarist, he is he, I love the music. Yeah, he played um, a steel guitar in as background music mm-hmm. for. For Pauline, yeah. as she read, and that's what we're trying to do is quite a lot of crossover. So, Helen Jane, who is uh, who does gypsy jazz fiddle, has actually composed music to go around and through some of my poems as well. Oh, so we've we've we're doing a bit work on that, and we're hoping to take that to the 
um, for the Fringe this year just for a couple so of shows. Um, and then sometimes we, we have Christine Boval, who is most famous for her PF shows, who has got the most fantastic She's fabulous voice. And, and a lovely uh, person, lovely person. Oh, just lovely. I mean, Christine is. Everything about that night was, was really, really good. I went mm. by myself. Uh-huh. I don't can't tell you how many different people I spoke to. Yes. There, were, there were a few people there Fair on their own, yeah. and everybody was chatting. Uh-huh. And you know, uh-huh. I don't mean during the performance. Yeah, it was between, really warm. Uh-huh. But it yeah. was a very, very nice atmosphere. But uh-huh. the the standard of all the performers uh, yeah. was yeah. just. Well, we've we've super. we've done the we the next one we did. Or was that that one with Ali Hyde Whitelock? No, 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 Next. no. I I know I knew of that because I promoted it on my, oh, my yeah. website. Uh-huh. And, we've and had, that was, uh-huh. was that Partick Hill. Yes, we've so we've been running them regularly at Partick Hill Bowling club and uh, bowling and community club and the next one is coming up on february saturday february 16th so um it will be a slightly different lineup again and uh we'll be confirming very very shortly who will be they're kind of sellouts aren't they yes it's it's always a sellout there yeah Uh so it's fantastic it's a lovely venue to do it in as well uh and uh we possibly will be looking for a bigger venue to do some depending on who we have because um, we're hoping to do one uh, later in the year with our dear old friend Arnold Brown oh who, my god uh, Ian and, we well, Ian and Arnold have done fringe shows before <laughs> yeah, together yeah we saw him the so, year he uh, won the um, what is it you call it in, in Edinburgh uh-huh. the, the best comedian of, oh, the, right, of the so. festival yeah. Jim and uh-huh. I went along um, we, do, we don't go to a whole lot of um, comedy shows or anything uh-huh. I, I can't remember why we went to that but he is yeah. hilarious yeah and Arnold's 82 now is he? so we need to catch him oh he's still here <laughs> so, oh, so oh, no, he was, he was up at Christmas very, very. so he's on, he's on great form so, and he's really keen he lives in London now mm-hmm. he's really keen to come up and do it with us and we've got uh, for the Edinburgh Fringe Ali Whitelock who lives in Australia now but will be coming over and Ian and I are going over to to Australia in to Sydney in uh, March and I've got gigs lined up for Australia oh poetry Matthew, gigs so and I'm going to be running Wild Women Writing Workshop in Sydney as so well good. so Wild Women Writing is going to Sydney and uh, Ali and I will also be doing a special Glasgow Poets gig in mm-hmm. a pub in Sydney, and we're going to be doing a Celtic writers gig in Sydney's biggest bookshop. So there will be Ali Whitelock, who's originally from Scotland, uh, myself as a Scottish poet, and Ian, uh, my husband Ian McPherson, who is a novelist uh, as a short story writer as well as being uh, doing comedy. Um, he's going to be reading from. Uh, probably the Book of Blaze, which well, is, is, and I've got that. I've got uh, that book, and that's really about you, isn't it? It is about me. It's about living. It's about living with a poet in Glasgow's West End. Yes, or or the other way around to look at it. It's about it's about a, a woman poet who has to live with a very strange man in Glasgow's West End, and it's full of uh, full of comedy. 
We'll get, you've got a lot of talent in that house. We have great fun. We have great fun. Bernard McLaverty once said to us when they met us in Byers Road, he, he once said, I think we were co-writing a radio play for Radio 4 at the time, and he said, Perry, you should just record your conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it is like that at times. Although we sometimes say we have, particularly when I was writing the children's novels as well, the house was so full of... Uh, fictional characters it's a wonder we can move (laughs) because when we're both right and we all all our fictional characters seem so alive to us sometimes we we do have fun Mm. and then you you mentioned the the wild women yeah the wild women right yeah I, i think i'll be starting up the workshop i had to take time off last year because as you know pat i had uh, I was going to say I'd injured my back, but I never did anything to my back. It did it to itself. I had a rather serious problem with my my back with fractured vertebrae, and it meant everything had to go on hold for. Well, you were hell of a brave because uh-huh. I, I came along to those yes. workshops, uh-huh. and I think you were. More or less propped up. Propped I was. Up well, at, well, at that point, of course, I didn't know that I had four fractured vertebrae. Oh if I had, I wouldn't have been going <laughs> going ahead. With it. But once once we knew what the problem was, um, I was uh, I was put on uh, cotton wool for the rest of the year. And uh, but you did you uh, did very well, and and oh. you were so so encouraging, uh-huh. and I mean I um, in that class because I I don't write poetry and I don't even really know that much about poetry. I just would know oh I really like that. Yes, uh-huh. I don't. Yeah. I felt that it probably wasn't the right class uh-huh. for me, but I did uh-huh. I did yeah. enjoy it, and I liked I liked the women yeah. very much, but. I felt you worked very hard, and 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 you gave very good criticism. Yeah. Oh, so you 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 were you were uh-huh. coping tremendously yeah. well, yeah. given uh-huh. that you felt uh-huh. so unwell. Yeah, yeah, that was terrible. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't remember a thing. I was in drugs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do remember. No, I was in drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, Prescri- well, see those drugs. See those drugs. Prescription drugs, <laughs> okay, I hasten to add. Have you got any of those drugs? <laughs> I've still got some left, actually. No, it was rotten, though. Uh-huh. You know, it, was, it, was it, it, it was hard going. It, it was hard going. It's not a year that I want to repeat. But I'm mm-hmm. looking forward now to 2019. We're just in January, and I'm looking forward. I feel so, so much better, and I'm hoping that that is Oh, well, you've got an awful lot of exciting... I mean, I like this, and I'm the Yeah, the Sydney is great and Ali Whitelock is the most fantastic um, poet and, and performer and if anybody's not not come across her stuff you know just google her find her on YouTube she really is exceptional and um, I'm looking forward to both uh, seeing her over in Sydney and also her coming back over here in August and working with her so what else uh-huh. is going on I've become a uh, Editor, one of the editors of the Poets Republic, which is a smashing magazine, a Scottish poetry magazine, and I'm really enjoying getting involved with with them. It's a magazine whose ethos I really, really agree with. It's obviously I don't know if we talk about left wing anymore, but you can tell from its title, the Poets Republic, that it's got a certain ethos mm-hmm. about it, which is completely in agreement with my own ideas on things and it's um it, it works not just so there is a print magazine which is great um and it but also has quite an online activity and again 
holds uh, live events when we have magazine launches and other events as well. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping to, well, not hoping to, we had, there was an event at the Fringe last year, a two-day event, when there were, I think it was 60 poets reading over the two days, and it was a huge success. So we're building on that this year for this year's Fringe, and that completely voluntary. I mean, we never got any funding or any money from doing that. So it was just all done as a voluntary effort because I think we charged uh, £3 and £2 entry to mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. always done for the total love of it. I know, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a hard um, life um, working in the arts, isn't yes. it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. You're going to Sydney, which is yeah. massively ah, exciting. It is. And then you've is. got all this, um, mm-hmm. the new the editing for... Um, yes, for the Poets Republic. It's a great name. And um, then there'll be all sorts of stuff coming out of that. You're going to be very busy this year. Yeah, I want to be active, particularly around poetry. I want to write poetry this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... uh, I want to give myself over to poetry this year when I have time. That's great. Yeah, if I can can get my energy up, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like that. Yes, uh, I think you'll. I think you'll manage. They're <laughs> 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 going to have to because you're yes, going to have all these audiences right. in yeah. different parts of the world yes. waiting for you. Yeah. But, Mark, is there anything else you want to um, add uh, at all? You can think of. We've, we've done a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, That's quite. Uh, I think we came to natural. And there, it's just it's been lovely to be here recording now. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for coming along. I know people will find yeah. it very interesting. Yeah. And um, we're building our audience. We've got quite a lot of people um, uh-huh. listening from America and we have some oh, people in Japan yeah. and France and yeah. different um, uh-huh. parts of the world. So, uh-huh. yeah. anyway, thanks very much, Maggie. Oh, it's fantastic. Been, it's been lovely Thank to be you. along here today, uh-huh. Pat. It's, uh, all, it's always lovely to chat to you so um, I've really enjoyed and that's a fantastic view from your window <laughs> which the people on the podcast don't get to see so um, no, this is no, thank, thanks very much Maggie and I'll look forward to coming along to Word Jazzology yes, yeah do that'd be great, see you there then thanks very much Thanks Maggie, thanks Pat, that was very enjoyable. Let's end another episode of Jim and Pat's Glasgow West End Chat. Hope to catch you the next time. Bye for now.